only thing we have to fear is fear itself. The National Weather Service has issued a severe thunderstorm warning. Welcome. To the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. Where prepping doesn't have to be complicated or expensive. Coming to you from a well-defended off-grid compound high in the mountains. (laughs) Coming to you from his Florida room in Richmond, Virginia. (laughs) Neither off-grid nor well-defended, unless you count as chickens and cats. Here is your host, Keith. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. My name is Keith, and this is episode 28. Today is December 19th, 2022. Want to give a disclaimer reference episode 27. For some reason, I insisted on calling the Consumer Price Index the Computer Price Index. I'm going to blame it on the NyQuil, and I have no no earthly idea why I did that. But if you think about it, the computer price index ought to be a thing. We can talk about computers, the price of old computers, the price of new computers, and then maybe we can start something, the computer price index. If you want to send me an email, practicalpreppodcast at gmail.com. Okay, so speaking of email, I received an email earlier this week. Now, in reference to this particular email, the sender asked me not to disclose their name or their location, other than the fact that they do live in a foreign country. They do not live here in the United States. Looking at the metrics, I have a lot of people from all over the world that listen to this podcast, and I appreciate every single one of you that do that. Thank you so much. So this particular listener wanted to comment and wanted me to provide a little more context to several times I've said that I don't trust the government you know, as a whole. And they wanted me to provide a little bit of context to that because I always say, I try not to talk about politics. However, many, many times, especially in this economy, as the economy worsens, it's very difficult to talk about the economy and not talk about the intersection of the economy and politics. All right, case in point, let's talk about the Twitter files. Everybody's aware that Elon Musk several weeks ago purchased Twitter for $44 billion dollars. I believe. And in the last 10 to 12 days, he has released a lot of information through through different reporters that folks are calling the Twitter files. Now, specifically, two particular stories. One is that the White House, the current administration, and Twitter, as well as a special unit within the FBI, had a direct connection with Twitter. So specifically talking about the FBI in this particular unit, they made direct contact with a couple people within Twitter asking them to remove certain users or to remove the tweets of certain users. Now, if you're removed completely from Twitter, you're banned. If your tweet is put into a status where very few people see it or the visibility is throttled back, that's considered shadow banning. You're still technically there, but the audience that has visibility to a particular tweet is diminished 
greatly. So specifically about the FBI's contact with Twitter, in August of August of 2019, the FBI came into possession of Hunter Biden's laptop, and they basically sat on that. In October of 2020, right before the 2020 presidential election, the New York Post was preparing to break a story about the laptop and talking about certain emails, Hunter's uh, business dealings with China, Russia, Ukraine. We've all heard the stories. So the FBI was aware that this story was going to come out. The gentleman who owned the computer repair company got in contact with Rudy Giuliani, who happened to be under surveillance by the FBI at that time. I'm going to make an assumption that that is how the FBI uh, was made aware that the story was going to break very soon. As soon as the story broke and the New York Post printed the story, tweeted about the story, the New York Post was banned from Twitter, therefore limiting the visibility, limiting the amount of people that could read this particular tweet. So when it got around that the New York Post was banned for misinformation, violation of the terms of service, it then, I guess, puts a seed of doubt into a lot of people's mind going, wow, if, if Twitter banned them, then there must be some truth to this story not being true. So very interesting type of situation. And again, that this information is out there if, if you want to read it yourself. They have not disclosed a lot of names. Uh, they do have the, you know, the, the emails, the direct back and forth. And then specifically, if we talk about the connection that the White House, the current administration, had with Twitter, it is directly related uh, to COVID and the dangers of the vaccine. So there were a lot of prominent doctors, virologists, mRNA experts that were skeptical in certain degrees of the vaccines that were being touted by Dr. Fossey and the government. The White House specifically asked that certain users either be completely banned for what was called misinformation or they were shadow banned. And again, if a doctor comes out and says, I think the vaccine is bad because of X, Y, and Z, and then you hear the next day that they have been banned from Twitter, they are no longer able to provide that information. Again, just like the New York Post, a kind of seed of doubt going, oh my goodness, maybe this doctor was not providing accurate information. The same with ivermectin. Ivermectin, super, super inexpensive, been around for what, 60, 70 years. And a lot of people were saying that the recovery ivermectin was very promising. Well... The pharmaceutical companies are not going to make any money if the doctors are prescribing ivermectin that you can get for pennies per pill. So a lot of those posts were shadow banned. A lot of those users and those doctors that tweeted this information were removed, therefore limiting the visibility to the information that these folks were providing. So recently, Information has come to light from the CDC as well as the FDA about some information about these serious side effects. Here's my opinion. I'm not a doctor. Bill Gates and I went to the same medical school. I'm not a virologist, but here's my opinion. The information that we received, that I received early on, that if you are a healthy adult and even a healthy 
child, there is a 98, 99.6, whatever percent probability that you will absolutely survive COVID. Half a percent, 1% that it would be fatal to you. Now, depending on your age, pre-existing conditions, comorbidity, all these other factors, the percentage could drop to 92, maybe 91. I'm not familiar with any circumstances where I heard that folks with all these different conditions would have like a 50-50 chance of surviving. So folks had to make a decision. If I'm a healthy adult or healthy young adult and the information is true that there's a 99.6% chance that I will survive this, do I not get a vaccine or do I get the vaccine that is under emergency youth authorization, it is experimental. I don't have access to a lot of the data. The tests were, you know, uh, in my opinion, rushed through. In several months, these vaccines were put together and then it's, you know, booster, booster, booster. Do I trust the government to provide me the accurate information or am I going to have to try to find this self stuff on my own? When some of the information, and a lot of it was opposing the vaccines to varying degrees, a lot of this information was not made available to the public. I think it is vitally important that regardless of any decision that you make, a very important decision, what you're going to have for lunch, that you have a lot of information, you have all the information that you want to be able to make an informed decision. If I live in Los Angeles and I have two kids that are very close to school age, let's say they're four, almost five, and I want to send them to the best school, I should be able to get all the information I want on the public schools in the area. I should be able to get all the information I want about the private schools in the area, Catholic schools, whatever it happens to be. As a parent, I should be able to get as much information as I can and sit down with my spouse, significant other, and make a truly informed decision. Because potentially, the choice of, a, of schools, the, the, the school that I send my child to, potentially will have very lasting effects. If I have a lot of limited information or bad information, I could be making a very poor choice and put my child in a school that is not that they're not a good fit for. Let's put it that way. If I have a lot of money and I want to invest that, I want to uh, invest a million dollars, I should be able to go to Morgan Chase, J.P. Morgan, all these other investment houses, and I should be able to get as much information as I can that's out there and sit down and make an informed decision on what I want to do with my million dollars. In my opinion, when you limit the information that is provided or that is out there, that is able to be provided to folks when it comes to the vaccine, when you limit that, to me, that is inexcusable. Let the people make their own decision on what they want to do. Do I get the vaccine? Yes or no. If I choose to get the vaccine, which one do I get? When you have entities lurking in the shadows that go to Twitter and say, ban Dr. Jones, not Indiana Jones. Yes, ban Dr. Indiana Jones and ban Dr. Schmuckatelli because they're saying something that's in direct contradiction 
Tuat Fossey, the CDC, the WHO, and what other other alphabet agencies out there are putting out there as information. To me, that's absolutely inexcusable. How many people were seriously injured or died because they did not have all of the available information out there? How does this relate to prepping? As a general rule, preppers are very independent. They're very self-reliant. They are not going to wait for the government, either local government, state government, or federal government to come to their rescue and provide assistance. Preppers are going to take care of themselves and their family and their friends. So big picture, 30,000 foot view of a situation like with the White House, the FBI, and Twitter, the information, all the available information is not able to get to these folks so they can make an informed decision. That's one reason why I don't trust the government in this conversation, this aspect. The government has some very hardworking people. There are certainly certain agencies, certain departments with certain agencies that do a lot of good. But when information is manipulated or it is withheld, I have a problem with that. Let the people make up their own mind. What hidden agenda, not so hidden agenda, does somebody have that they want to manipulate the flow of information? Okay, enough of that. The price of gas here in Central Virginia is just under $3 a gallon. Not bad, still very expensive, but a little less expensive than it has been. Let's talk about China. Last podcast, I talked about China easing their lockdowns, allowing people to get out of the homes that they were basically forced to stay in. Doors were welded shut. Windows were welded shut. People had to stay within their apartments, their homes, their high rises for several weeks, if not months. According to China, the COVID cases are absolutely soaring to the point to where China is saying they cannot provide an accurate count on the number of new cases daily in China. If you thought supply chain issues were bad a year or two ago, if these COVID cases and these numbers are true, we're probably in for another rough ride when it comes to supply chain. The supply chain is still messed up, but it has recovered in certain areas. Let's talk about Russia and Ukraine and the billions of dollars that the United States has sent over there. Several days ago, the four major defense contractors sponsored a party in Washington, D.C. for the Ukrainian Armed Forces. This was hosted by the Ukrainian Embassy and took place in downtown D.C. at the Ronald Reagan Building and International Trade Center less than a mile from the White House. The invitation said the event was supported by Northrop Grumman, Raytheon, Pratt & Whitney, and Lockheed Martin with their logos emblazoned on the invitation. And there's a quote from a particular report. It's very bizarre to me that they would put this on an invitation. The explicit sponsorship indicates how intimate major military contractors have become with Ukraine and how much they stand to gain from this war. The four companies sponsoring the party produce missile defense systems, anti-tank missiles that the Biden administration has poured into Ukraine since Russia invaded in February of 2022. And I've talked about this before. According to the Post, the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Russia and the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Ukraine 
were invited and attended the party. So the two countries that are at war, they have representatives from their defense agencies there. So everybody's sitting around slapping each other on the back, talking about how much money they're making. And let's be very, very clear. The losers of this war are the Ukrainian civilians, the Ukrainian army, and the Russian army. There is absolutely no accountability for the amount of money that we are sending over there. You can't call up the government and say, can you send me that spreadsheet and tell me where all this money is going? There's not a receipt where General Popovov in Ukraine has signed for a crate of missiles with a tracking number from UPS. A lot of this money is going right into the pockets of the bureaucrats. Don't get me wrong. Ukraine is buying a lot of military hardware, but with no oversight, there is no way that every single dollar is going to fight this war. In fact, I would venture to guess that somewhere, somehow, a crate of whatever missiles that we have sent over there ended up on the black market. I'm sure there's some rogue general, rogue officer, whatever, in the Ukrainian army that takes his truck full of whatever and runs it across the border to a neighboring country and sells it at a premium. The infrastructure in Ukraine is a complete mess. Winter has obviously set in, and you have these civilians that are suffering because of this. The Ukrainian war is not really making headlines like it used to, because I think a lot of people have really figured out that this is... How do I, how do I t- articulate this? These countries are obviously at war, but... There's a lot of people making a lot of money, and for every day that this war drags on is just more money in the pockets of these bureaucrats. The Ukrainian army is making all sorts of advances. They uh, Apparently, they're about to take Crimea back that they lost in, what, 2014 when the Russians uh, invaded Crimea. I don't know if this war could have been over six months ago. I don't know if this war could end tomorrow. But again, the longer it goes, the more enriched that these people get. Let's talk about that impending nasty winter storm that is currently out west that is making its way uh, across the Midwest, and it's going to come east. It's going to miss some of the eastern seaboard, uh, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, West Virginia, Virginia. We're just going to get a lot of rain and a lot of thunderstorms. Indiana, Michigan, um, Iowa, maybe a little bit of Kentucky, Wisconsin especially, are going to get absolutely creamed by this storm. So they're calling it, the, the, the massive air is called the Siberian Express. Normally, uh, that cold air stays over Siberia, but for whatever reason that I don't understand, it's coming over the poles, down across Canada, and coming into the United States, hanging a left, and it's heading east. It's going to collide with another front, and it's going to be absolutely nasty. Wind chill. 20, 30 below, several feet of snow in some areas. Some of the meteorologists are likening this this to the blizzard of 78. And I will date myself and tell you that I was in grade school, living in Chicago in 1978, six feet of snow, 85 below zero with the wind chill. We were out of school for two weeks, not because of the six feet of snow, But because of the wind chill, exposed skin will get frostbite within seconds at 85 below. Nothing moves at 85 below 
cars won't start, trucks won't start, buses won't start, nothing moves. So the city, I mean, it, it went across a huge, huge, huge swath of the United States. But where I was in Chicago, two weeks off of school, we absolutely had a blast, put our snootsuits on. I look like, um, what's the kid's brother in Christmas Story? Randy? Yeah, I was like Randy with my snowsuit, gloves, big boots, running around playing in the snow. So that was me. I was Randy for those two weeks. But some of the country that's going to get this weather is very familiar with severe winter. Michigan, Illinois, Wisconsin, Iowa. They're used to certain bouts of severe winter weather. Wind chills 20, 30, 40 below are very extreme regardless of where you live. And a lot of people may or may not be prepared for that. Certain areas can pretty much count on power being out for at least a couple days. So do you have food, water, and some sort of energy plan? Do you have the ability of staying warm when the power goes out? You know, do you have gas logs? Do you have a wood-burning fireplace? Uh, you know, do you have a generator that can run, that could, you know, run, uh, run the furnace? Is it, you know, is it, is it that hardy that it can run the furnace? Uh, shoot, I wouldn't worry about the fridge. You can just throw the food out onto the back deck and it's going to stay plenty cold. You know, take your milk and your soda, sit it out there in the snowbank and you're going to be just fine. But you really need to think about, you know, keeping your family warm. You know, throwing on a couple extra pair of socks and a hoodie isn't going to, <laughs> to quite cut it. So it's going to be it's going to be significant. But again, uh, here in Virginia, it looks like we're going to miss it. Just uh, getting a lot of rain and thunderstorms. So, folks, before I forget, I want to wish everybody a merry, merry Christmas, happy holiday, whatever whatever holiday you have going on. I hope it is a good one. I doubt if I will have a chance to uh, put up another podcast before Christmas. So again, Merry Christmas if I don't uh, talk to everybody before then. Probably get one before New Year, maybe do like a quick year in review, uh, something like that. Going to take some well-deserved vacation several days, pretty much right after Christmas and kind of decompress uh, before I head back and, and start things in the new year. As always, folks, be safe. Take care of one another. And until next time. Thanks for listening to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, help spread the word by leaving a rating and review.